Welcome to the Blooming League of Original Podcasts. Welcome to the fifth episode of And the EGOT Goes To, a breakdown and predictions podcast for the major U.S.-based award shows. Today, we continue our first season with a nine-episode miniseries on the 2022-2023 Tony Awards. I'm your host, Spencer, and with me is our panel. Hello, I'm Kate Reinking, and I am on TikTok as Theater is Life, um, because theater is life. My name is Ashley Hufford. I'm Ashley Hubbard on TikTok, Instagram, all over the place. Today, we're going to start by discussing the musical creative categories, which include best choreography, best orchestrations, best book of a musical, and best original score, music and or lyrics written for the theater. Start with best choreography. Our nominees are Stephen Hogart for Sweeney Todd, Casey Nicola for Some Like It Hot, Susan Stroman for New York, New York, and Jennifer Weber for both Anne Juliet and K-pop. In my heart of hearts, I want Jennifer Weber to get a Tony this year because I think she did so much great work in both of these shows, but I feel it's going to Casey Nicola. I think so too. And I think it's deserved. I think it's, I think Some Like It Hot is like one of the best choreographed shows I've seen in, in a couple of years. I mean, obviously pandemic aside, but like, I feel like that's a show. It, fe- it feels like a Broadway musical. Like I know that sounds silly because that's whatever, but it like, it feels like a big, fun, wild Broadway musical. The tap and really if everything else was bad, the chase scene deserves it. Yeah, I went out to lunch with some family members today and I was trying to describe the show to them. And I was just like, it is a big Broadway show that is the best way to describe some like it hot. Um, This is also a deserved Tony, I think, for Casey Nicola. I also wouldn't hate if Susan Stroman. That's fair. That's fair. I feel like for Susan Stroman and Casey Nicola, their their direction is such an integral part of the shows that they've directed. And I just feel like in some like a hot the choreography is more cohesive to the storytelling versus I feel like in New York New York the dancing is almost like a separate musical from everything else and that's not necessarily the choreography's fault but uh it just it feels it's great but it feels separate from the rest of the show no and I also feel like for me like so much of the the choreography also for New York New York feels like it's like it's the scenic design of that show is what makes the choreography stand out so much. Like I always think back to that like rain umbrella scene, like the choreography is beautiful, but like what makes that scene so memorable is the rain, like the rain effects and the like screen they use, like, and the like umbrellas that are flying across the stage. Like it's choreography, but I feel like it's, I don't know, the rest of it that really adds to that world where the choreography in Some Like It Hot, I think just really, it feeds into the it's can it, that's like how you put it Kate it's like part of the direction it's part of the story like it's all it all tells the piece together I mean I don't disagree that I would love to see um Jen Weber like k-pop I would love a surprise I'd love k-pop to a surprise shock us all I don't think it's happening but I would <laughs> imagine I was saying well especially because of the of the rules of it all this year where you don't have you haven't had to see all of the shows so I think there's a very strong chance that a lot of people who are voting for choreography this year have not seen K-pop and will not see K-pop, obviously. Um, and they get to vote anyway, because that's how uh, they work this year. And now I have not seen Sweeney Todd, but um, I was a little shocked by this nomination. I've seen it. I was a little shocked by this nomination. <laughs> I will say now that I've seen it from the orchestra, I like the choreography a little more. I think you get a lot of, I, I don't love it. I, I don't think it's necessary, but like it, I, the first time I saw it, I was completely bewildered. 
And now I sort of see what they're doing. It's still kind of humorous, which I don't know is the intended point of the choreography. Um, but I like how the people pop up. I think it's kind of fun, the little like thing. I don't know. But I agree that it's weird that it's here. That being said, I don't know what I would have. I would have put Beautiful Noise or Bad Cinderella. Um, Bad Cinderella would have been a really good spot here. They just really did not yeah. want to give it any nominations. I would have loved to see Bad, Bad Cinderella for the Jordan Dobson dancing of it all. Uh, yes. Would have been great. <laughs> the angry dance at the ball. <laughs> like so good what a party what a blowout um, but yeah either of those shows I, I liked beautiful noises choreography as well um and would not have been surprised to see it here um, they were in my my nomination pick yeah um mostly because i love the ensemble of that show so much and there's no way to reward ensemble on broadway yeah. so <laughs> Who do we think? So we've we've said we think Casey Nicola uh, will will take this. Yeah, I don't. I I have a very hard time seeing anyone else being able to overcome that at this point. But I don't know. But to me, it feels like it'd be hard. And especially because, and we'll we'll talk about it later. But especially because not today though. But I don't think Casey's going to get the direction yeah. win. So I feel like this is where they will be able to honor the great work that he did in both categories. And the Tony voters won't have a chance to see because they didn't, did they archive K-pop? I have no idea. I think so. Yeah, they filmed it for the the public library. Because that is something that, I, I don't know if that's a thing that's done, but if a show has closed and it has been archived, that is something that should be provided to voters yeah in my opinion um because otherwise i mean we were all very happy about the nomination but there's no way that a show like k-pop has a chance at winning here unless they see that yeah best orchestrations uh, we have bill sherman and dominic falcaro for Anne juliet john clancy for kimberly akimbo jason howland for shucked Charlie Rosen and Brian Carter for Some Like It Hot, and Daryl Waters and Sam Davis for New York, New York. Now, as a music student, I loved orchestrations this year. There were some fantastic orchestrations on Broadway this year. There were not a lot of as many cookie cutter, boring orchestrations. I think what Jason Howland did with Shucked is some incredible work. Um, also, I, I do think of the ones that I believe is most likely to win is uh, Some Like It Hot. And I think of the most of all these shows, it is the most cookie cutter because it's they just arranged for a big band. Like nothing really special there. It's the sound of a big band. They arranged for a big band. Um, I also think Anne Juliet, what they did uh, with that score um, is very interesting in terms of orchestrations both because they wrote new orchestrations since london um that i do think improved on that i agree i honestly think angelia takes this and i my my initial gut was also some like a hot but i feel like and you really hit the nail on the head it the orchestrations in some like a hot just kind of all start to sound the same and i think that's actually a detriment to the show in what i think is overall a very strong show is that by the end of it, all of the songs start to sound very similar to each other and not in a good way. 
versus and Juliet, you have such a um you have such a dynamic differentiation between the songs and the tones that the songs are providing. And then when you consider that they're all songs from different artists across different genres that just happen to be written by the same guy, it makes it more impressive that it sounds like a cohesive show. So I, I think and Juliet, this ends up being one of their only wins. I was, a, I was about to say that. I think this is, this might be, because I don't know where, where the supporting actress goes or I, I think this is a possible, possibly their only win. Um, that being said, I think Shucked has a very decent chance here too. Yes. I think that Shucked is probably to me, like, I don't know. I think Angeliette probably pulls it out. That's probably my first, but I think Shucked's score is just so beautiful. And I think so much of it is those orchestrations and the way that they take those country songs and they make them so rich and just like, I don't know. I've been, I've been listening to the cast recording a lot and I just think it is, yeah. an incredibly beautiful score that is so funny but also stands entirely on its own and I can't remember the last time we've had a show like that where you can listen to like somebody will or whatever that song is that's what it's called right so, yeah. yeah and like you're like this is a joke but it also just works as like I think they're in that and again this is partially orchestra partially score and that's right I know sometimes that gets a little bit muddled at least for me um but like, I feel like so many of these songs are going to become like audition standards. And so I just really, I really think it's, I think what, what, um, uh, John, Jason, Jason, like Jason, John, Jason Halland, uh, has done with that, with the orchestrations and taking those songs is like really wonderful. It also is cool because I feel like it, it's one of those shows that takes country music and makes it some musical theater without sounding cheesy. Like, it's not yeah. like, you know, it's like the the Oklahoma, um, the new Oklahoma cast recording where it, like it just is stunning. Anyway, well, and something that Shucks did that I thought was also um, a great strategy is they they sweetened their cast recording. They added a string section, um, which they don't have on the show, but you know it worked a lot to to make that cast recording better because at the end of the day, cast recordings are a great tool for for licensings, uh, license licensing. There we go. Um, and they, they spent the money on that. And that was, I think a really smart move because that cast recording is one of my favorite cast recordings of the season. Um, I do also think that what they do with the small size of the orchestra, cause it's what it's, it's keys, two guitars, uh, fiddle mandolin yeah. player, and then bass drums. And it's just like what they do with that small orchestra also just love seeing mandolin in a yes Broadway pit. always yeah I do think that that Anne Juliet or Shucked uh, ends up taking this though I need to go back I just I'm just gonna keep being like <laughs> all of these shows I'm like I need to go again like truly I love I love all of these shows and the way that they sound I just realized other than New York New York we already have cast albums for all of these and they've all been on repeat but yeah I I think all of the cast I I, I was very surprised at about how much I've been listening to Almost Famous um, in terms of cat, like that cast recording is incredible, especially because it isn't bogged down by the terrible book that Almost Famous had. Uh, so we think uh, Anne Juliet. Yeah, I think Anne Juliet is our, the most likely of this. 
I was also very, very surprised that 1776 did not get a nomination here. And I did want to point that out because that was the only nomination I thought it would get. Um, and I thought it even had a chance at winning because they, they had some really cool new orchestrations for that show. I agree. And after re-watching Bad Cinderella yesterday, I also feel Bad Cinderella was snubbed in orchestrations because those orchestrations are glorious and over the top and the orchestra is massive and sounds yeah, amazing. And one of those things that Angela Lloyd Webber never fails at is those orchestrations and the size of his orchestras Yep, um, are always over the top. He spends a lot of money on it. And it sounds good, uh, always. Um, those those incredible, yeah. I was shocked by by their uh, exclusion here as well. But I don't know. Like, I would definitely take out New York, New York, and give it to one of those two. Um, and also, Kimberly Kimbo's orchestrations are are very different as well. I don't know if. Uh, they just had the tiny desk. I know. I haven't listened. Out. I haven't watched it yet. I don't know if. Yeah, same. Um, it is incredible what that score sounds like. I'm going to say acoustically, but like not really. And also, um, Janine Tesori wrote new vocal arrangements oh, fun. for the tiny desk uh, and had wrote harmonies for the entire cast for Father Time. And it is incredible. I know. Famously, I hate Father Time. So I think. Um, oh, it's I, such a good I, I song. Don't, it's not my favorite song in the show. And and this, this kind of redeems it for me. Um, and I've never seen a composer at a tiny desk have as much fun as Janine DeSori did at this. She was having the time of her absolute life. Oh. Have you read the article of her and David Lindsay Barrett talking yes. about the oh my track God. by track breakdown? So good. So good. So and it really made me appreciate those songs like Father Time more and Anagram. Yeah. I mean, I thought they were good in the show, but you know, hearing them talk about writing them and why they wrote well, them. Well, talking about songs that'll become audition standards. Yeah. Um, I think we'll have a couple from Shucked this year. And I think also. Um, a few from Kimberly Kimbo. Yeah. Uh, um, good kid for sure. Yeah. Every kid's going to do good. <laughs> yes. Now we'll have two good kids that are, yes. are standards in audition books. Yeah. And speaking of books, best book of a musical <laughs> David West Reed for Anne Juliet, David Lindsay Abair for Kimberly Akimbo. David Thompson and Sharon Washington for New York, New York, Robert Horn for Shucked, and Matthew Lopez and Amber Ruffin for Some Like It Hot. Lots of Davids in this category. Can you imagine that? I didn't that. realize that before. <laughs> At the Tonys when they announced David and like three of them are like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Except for David Thompson, he's going to be like, well, not me. <laughs> not me. Yeah. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> Uh, shocked to be here. Yeah. Um, shocked to so be here. Shocked I, to be here. Who I think will win. You think Shucked will win? I think it's between Shucked and Kimberly. Kimberly. Yeah, I agree. I although I honestly think Some Like It Hot has a chance, but 
Kimberly is my is my uh, assumption. I think my problem is I think about some like it hot, and the book is really entertaining, and it's a bunch of old white people voting for this show. Yeah. Well, that's why I think they'll like Shucked. I don't think they will like Shucked. I don't think old white people think Shucked is funny. (laughs) I don't know. I still find out. I mean, I sat next to an old white woman at a show. And walked it, I went to someone and walked it at intermission. Yeah. I think Chuck just for... I think for... Yeah, I, I would be happy with either of those. Groups. I think it's kind of Kimberly's to lose, to be honest. Yeah. Yes. But I love, love Chuck. I think it's hilarious. So I would not be upset if it won, even though... The person who wrote it wrote my least favorite musical ever in. So, (laughs) Hercules. Hey there, listeners. When the panel takes a quick intermission, I wanted to tell you about another Bloop Network podcast, Thrash and Treasure, where we torture the world's greatest artists with musicals, comedy, and heavy metal, even Tony Award winners. Here's a quick sneak peek with Tony Award winner David Zippel. Veronica's closet theme song, which um, <laughs> I'm going to say that I do remember when they changed that theme song, and I was not happy. Well, thank you. I don't even know why they changed. Yeah, it, but uh... and just to a pop song. I don't care. We had a catchy thing like the the, the 80s and 90s, uh, maybe the 70s as well. With you know, Greatest American Hero was that the 70s? Uh, yeah, late 70s. Yeah, there yeah. were theme songs that were tangible that you could sing along to at at home well not at home you were at home watching tv you know what i mean like they stuck around yeah so i don't you don't know why they changed it that was part of my question <laughs> i have no idea i think i think it had something to do with uh kirstie alley wanting a new song but uh and as the star kirstie got whatever she wanted but um mm-hmm. i never quite understood why and michael Sclough, who i was the composer with whom i wrote it was still the musical director so who knows but um it was never it was never explained to me, but I I, I think I got three seasons out of it, yep. which is not bad. I, did she get more than four seasons, or was that? No, she didn't. No. That's when the tabloids sort of took over. Um, they were quite cruel to her. And I actually have a I don't know if this will make it to air, um, <laughs> but I have a a little insider knowledge of the Veronica's Closet set because there was I think someone complained to her or something like that. Oh, complained to the the bosses and she came to set wearing a t-shirt that said fuck me i'm the boss i don't think that would go down well today in a post me too world but yeah so that i think that's what she was kind of like she was ah. no fucks given did what she wanted you know she was the boss and it was her show so i guess yeah the the, uh, the good theme was a casualty of that ego with all due respect to Kirsty Alley. She has blocked me on Twitter though, so she won't be hearing <laughs> this episode. Uh, but anyways, now looking back at this stunning career and progress, what is the one song that you are the most proud of? Wow. That's a tough one. Good. Um, you are on the torture chamber. I would say it's like choosing among your children, and I have a lot of children. Mm-hmm. I'll narrow it down to a few. I'm not going to answer your question exactly as asked. Now we can hunger games them. <laughs> You're nothing without me at the end of the first act of City of Angels is something I'm particularly proud of because it it ties together what 
Cy Coleman and Larry Gelbart, our book writer, and I were trying to accomplish. And, and it really was an exciting, thrilling end of the act. And, and when it came together for the first time, we were all kind of gasped because it exceeded our expectations. So that's one of them. Go the Distance, because it was my first Oscar nomination and because it was an unexpected song to, to be, it was written very late in the score. Uh, we had written a song uh, for Megara, the female character, and called uh, I Can't Believe My Heart, which we loved. And we thought that was going to be the hit. And as we watched the, sh the, the test screening of the show with just the pencil drawings, we all felt that it was a little late in the score to have a ballad. So we removed that song, which meant, and, and wrote a song for the muses that was much more up-tempo. Mm -hmm. And result, we didn't have a song that we thought could be um, a pop hit. And so, which meant we removed another song we loved early in the show and um, replaced it with a, a to-be-written song. And so Go the Distance was written for that slot. And it had to be a potential pop hit and tell the story and have a, have a kind of Olympic sound to it, Olympian sound that they could create the score for the whole movie. And it did. So it did go the distance. So that that's another one. And uh, I particularly love Far Too Late in Cinderella, Far Too Late to Sing a Love Song, because mm. Melody, the first time I heard it, I just gasped and... Um, I think then all I ask of you, which is, a, a, I think it's Andrew's most beautiful song, maybe this is his second most beautiful melody. And so I was thrilled to have it in our show and to have a chance to write a lyric to it. So that's, that's my answer today. Those are my three favorite children. Please don't tell the others. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, definitely. And then I'm going to tell them that they're all adopted. <laughs> you can catch Thrash and Treasure on the Bloop Network, wherever you listen to podcasts. And now back to end the EGOT goes to. Now we are moving on to best original score, music and or lyrics written for the theater. The nominees are Cameron Crowe and Tom Kitt for Almost Famous, Janine Tesori and David Lindsay Bear for Kimberly Akimbo, Helen Park and Max Vernon for K-pop, Brandy Clark and Shane McAnally for Shucked, and Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman for Some Like It Hot. This is a category where I would not hate any of these people. Winning. I agree. Yeah, I was yes. I was about to say, I think this is a really tough category. I think this is an extremely tough category because all of these are so good. And even like people that like like to give shit about almost famous. I'm like, but the music is fantastic. Yeah. Like that was not the problem of almost famous. And specifically the original music. Specifically the original music. Yes. Yes. The cast recording of Almost Famous is fantastic. I've been listening to it on yeah. repeat since it came out. And when it first came out and I listened to it, I was like, I don't remember this being that good. And that's just because the book was that bad that it brought down the score so incredibly much. And it's a fantastic score. And same with, I mean, obviously you... Uh, you know my love of Kimberly Akimbo. Um, I'm wearing a Kimberly Akimbo shirt. I've seen it five times. It is my favorite show this season. It, um, I mean, I'd be happy with any of these. I adore Janine Tesori. I think Shuft is going to take this. 
if Shucked doesn't get book, it's going to get a score. And I feel like it's because the score is so one unique for Broadway. We don't get a lot of country musicals other than like Bright Star. Um, <laughs> Uh, but also just the way that the the score so brilliantly tells the story and contrasts the hilarity of the book while still being funny. My only worry is that people don't understand the score. Uh, but Yeah, I think that's been... A, I mean, I think the score... I really think that, like, the score really stands on its own for me in a way that, like I said, like, it's just a good... It's a good collection of music. Yeah. Like, obviously, there are some songs in there that are clearly musical theater songs. But, like, as I was saying before, like, there are just a lot of songs in there that I'm like, I think these are going to be, like, become, like, new classic musical songs, audition songs. Like, every cabaret, like, we're going to see somebody well in, like, every cabaret for the next 15 years. Like, and women, girl, uh, uh, woman of oh, the yeah. world. Oh, yeah. Like, that's going to be, like, every 15-year-old, is gonna, that's going to be their audition song for their high school musical. Like, <laughs> everyone. <laughs> And I think my least favorite score on here is Some Like It Hot, just because I think that that score is nothing without its orchestrations. Yes. And I think a score does need to stand alone without its orchestrations. Um, and I, I wouldn't, I would have said the same thing about Almost Famous until a week ago where they did their Stars in the House thing with uh, Seth What's-His-Face. Um, where it was just Tom Kitt on a piano and that entire cast in a room and it sounded great I mean I, I didn't the score didn't lose anything um and so that made me realize that the score stands on its own I um, yeah I mean and I just think that's some like a hot issue yeah k-pop would also be a really fun one to win here for me like I don't think again I don't think it will but it would just be fun to see that kind of unique yeah. music like get a a spotlight like I feel like we don't it doesn't sound like a Broadway score I mean it, ha, it sounds like Broadway-ified k-pop as people who know k-pop more than I do have told me but I think the music is really fun and that would be just a fun so here's the question without it sounding like k-pop does the score stand on its own like without those orchestrations without those keyboard sounds would it sound and would that score stand on its own if it was just played on a piano? And I think that that's the question that we Got have it, to yeah. ask ourselves with this category, um, where I do think that both Some Like It Hot and K-pop, for me, don't as much as the others yeah. do. I have to listen to your Almost Famous thing for me, because I haven't, haven't heard that. I haven't watched that video. I also wonder... Um, it was it was really eye-opening. I wonder if this is K-pop's best chances too, because it has a cast recording. And so people will be able to listen to the score, but I don't know if they'd be able to vote without the context of the score within the context of the book. Um because I think that's well, this is this is actually K-pop's best shot in yeah. general, because of almost famous being included here. Right, because people yeah. that have not seen both Almost Famous and K-pop cannot vote in this category, which means you have to, like, which is a big deal, which is a, a big for K-pop, because obviously the other three are still currently playing, so everyone will have seen them. Uh, and 
it, it means the people who are voting in this category will probably mostly be New York people, local people who are less inclined to vote for things that are going to tour because they can. But the the bigger question is, is that bigger for Almost Famous or is that bigger for K-pop? I think K-pop. I think that that's bigger for Almost Famous because I think that the older voters will have gone to see Almost Famous before they would have gone to see K-pop. They can, yeah, I'm say, I, I, you're not, I don't think you're necessarily wrong, but I do think that they can still vote they, like with the cast recording addendum, which is that they don't have to see, K, they won't, they don't have to have seen K-pop to have voted for K-pop. Like they have to have seen four out of five, but then they have the cast recording. But yeah, no, I'm gonna get what you're saying. But I don't think, Almost Famous to me has the least likely chance. Like I just can't imagine seeing Almost Famous, listening to Almost Famous and being like, this over shucked or Kimberly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I really am happy with its inclusion here. And I, I wouldn't be mad if it won. I just am having a hard time seeing. Yeah. Well, and I think all of these scores are, you know, I don't remember what our nominees for best score were for last year, but just like, I didn't feel like they were as strong as this year's. I don't feel like last season was as strong as this season was, but um, but I think that I would be happy with any of these uh, shows winning for for best score. Um, at like, there's some categories where I'd be angry if certain people won or certain shows won, and I feel like this is a category where I'm happy for all of them and would be happy yeah. with any of them. I think also last year, uh, six won this category. This was the only category that six won other than costumes. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, very yeah. deservedly. And I feel like we could potentially see something similar with something like Shucked winning if Kimberly Akimbo ends up getting Best Musical. Because similar to last year when A Strange Loop got Best Musical and best book and six took the score i feel like we're also going to see a split this year just because of how strong the the three front runners are in my opinion which is shocked kimberly akimbo and some like a hot which is why i could also see kimberly akimbo taking this if some like it hot is going to ultimately win yes could go either way it could go so many ways yeah and i i think yeah um i think that a lot of these depend on um just you know how strong they feel about a show you know I feel like some like it hot you know I feel like any of our our shows for best musical um are 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 fine you know the one that I'd be least happy about is New York New York um but I do think that it depends on that, you know, what is the the best score? And I do think that this is a category where, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, what'll be the tour? But I do think that both book and score happen to be categories where they do actually think about what is the best of, um, of them. And I think, as we've all said, we'd be happy with any of them. Uh, in terms of snubs, I mean, the only show that was really snubbed here was Bad Cinderella, but I wouldn't even really call it a snub. I mean, it was just the only show that wasn't 
nominated. No. I don't think it deserved to be nominated here. And I mean, there were a lot of plays that were not included in this category that could have been. I'm actually shocked. I yes. think I think those are more of a snub in this category than Bad Cindy. Sorry, Andrew. What had a what play had a script? Um, Prima Facie, Peter Pan Goes Wrong, uh, Life of Pi. Peter Pan Goes Wrong? Do they have a score? Yeah. Does that count? Yeah. Their, orig- their original music. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine Peter Van Gogh's Wrong was in this category winning over? It'd be so <laughs> funny. So funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in terms of of that, do we think? Hi. Ogie. Do we think that there are show that there is any possibility of a show sweeping both book and score? I think potentially Kimberly could. I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. I would love for it to sweep both, but I don't. I think that it's going to split. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that it makes more sense for it to split too. Yeah, I mean, there's a world in which Kimberly does really, really well. Yeah. in these Tony Awards. Which, yeah. to their credit, they need. So that would be yes, great, personally. Um, but I think it's hard because this is a very strong year. Um, well, and I think that there's a, a, a chance that that Some Like It Hot uh, does not do very well. And I think that, that their best shot is actor and choreography. Yeah, I agree. I could see that being um, all it wins. I mean, this it very much screams 27. This is the closest year, I think, to 2017 we've had in a long time, yeah. where there's just like a lot of very different, very strong competitors that makes it very fun and unique and challenging to talk about. Where I feel like the last couple of years we've kind of had like big front runners and like fun, yeah, some fun underdogs. But this year it's like it's a lot of heavy hitters, even if like they don't some even a show like calling a show like Kimberly feels funny to call it a heavy hitter because it's such an underdog show, but yet at the same time it's it's yeah. the critical darling, like yeah, favorite. And I think that will that they'll end up spreading the wealth um more this year, as we've you know discussed. I think that that most of the shows that have multiple nominations will win something. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of And the EGOT Goes To. Join us next week where we discuss the nominees for acting in a play.